0: Romans 1, I want to begin reading in a moment in, in verse number 18. We've referred to this passage before, but I want to come back today. As you remember, uh, during this month, I've been teaching on the spirit of thanksgiving, and we've learned some very important things. We've learned uh, the value, Pastor Josh referred to it, uh, of what thanksgiving is, using the ten lepers healed and the one who returned, that thanksgiving is really just stopping and coming back and saying, God, I don't take your blessings for granted. I don't just run on in life and forget what you've done. I'm going to come back. I'm going to hit pause. And I'm going to say, thank you, God. We've learned that, that giving thanks is so powerful that sometimes we're from, it's, it's like sowing with tears. Remember Psalm 126. how we just, We're just we saying, Lord, I don't have the answer yet. And I don't see it yet. But I'm going to thank you. We, we, we've looked at how Jesus gave thanks in advance. And how that's a powerful concept in our life. And, and we've looked at uh, uh, the incredible insight that that uh, how God used an ungodly king named Cyrus and decreed he would do it 200 years before the man was born. God used him to set his people free from Babylonian bondage. We today have a lot to be thankful for. God is working when we don't see Him working. Can you say amen? God has a plan to solve your problem. Listen to this. God has a plan to solve your problem before you knew about the problem. How many of you understand what I just said? God is worthy to be thanked. and Our focus and our perspective must be that the the dynamic of giving thanks is life-changing. I believe the ability to give thanks may be... One of the greatest distinguishing marks of a real Christian. That we are thankful, grateful people. But I can't conclude this series today without, uh, without giving us the other side. A warning and an encouragement. Because we've looked at the dynamic of giving thanks. But I want you to understand the danger of ingratitude. We've seen the valuable dynamic of being Thankful. But I want to show you, take you through a a, a process here that I believe is one of Satan's greatest tools against believers, against non-believers, the danger of ingratitude. I think it's one of the most uh, debilitating things that can happen in your life as a born-again believer, to begin to become uh, ungrateful, to begin to develop ingratitude. Uh, when ingratitude uh, uh, comes and soaks itself into a family or a church or a culture, there are dangerous precedents, precedents that begin to be set. So it, it, I'm, this is more than a bad attitude, all right? It's a, it's a spiritual principle that Satan uses in a desperate way. I'm going to read a long passage to begin with and, and from Romans 8, and then we're going to come back and, 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 and to begin to unpack this. And understand some things that are very important today. All right, Romans chapter 1 verse 18. Please follow along with me. The wrath of God. This is something we normally don't want to talk about either. You don't ever hear about wrath or judgment in church anymore. Come on. Think about the last time you heard those things dealt with. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Now why? And for what case? Against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. By their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, this is incredible insight in this passage. Follow with me <clears throat> because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without. Excuse for although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God. Look at this, nor gave thanks to Him. What was the result of that? But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. For images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, what happened because of that? Therefore, God gave them over. Didn't say he made them, forced them. He released them. In the sinful desires of their hearts. And, and notice what, what immediately was one of the many byproducts of this. To sexual impurity. For the degrading of their bodies with one another. We live in a culture, to be quite frank, I had to, you know, this is church. (laughs) Ripe with sexual impurity, the culture we live in. Not only homosexuality, which is very clearly mentioned here, but uh, adultery, promiscuity, uh, fornication, lasciviousness, pornography, uh, we, we live in a culture inundated with sexual impurity. It, it invades and assaults the youngest and the most innocent and vulnerable. This is the result of what I'm reading to you here. This is how we arrived at this place. What happened? Sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Look at this they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who's forever praised. Amen. Because of this, we read it again, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. Homosexuality is an unnatural relationship. Okay? Okay? In the same way the men abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion so we see this whole gamut of sexual perversion whether it be heterosexual whether it be homosexual it's these things Are the result of turning our backs on God in this culture all right verse 28 furthermore since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God for the third time we read he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done now folks if if you have a third grade education you can read this translation I'm reading from today And you can see without one hesitation the position of Scripture and God on these issues. There's absolutely no question, no variation to what we see right here. What we need to understand is the root and the cause of this. And what we have to also understand is that homosexuality is not just a a sin over and of itself, a confusion over and of itself. It is wrapped and connected into other uh, rejections of God and other loose morals that that are in other places in our society right so they're given over to the, verse 29 they have become filled with every kind of wickedness evil greed and depravity they're full of envy murder strife deceit and malice they are gossips slanderers God haters insolent arrogant and boastful they invent ways of doing evil They disobey their parents. Selah. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree. That those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things. But also approve of those who practice them. It's a very, very bold, clear challenging in your face passage that's why we're all so quiet (laughs) because we're accustomed to anything but that in our culture today we really would prefer the pastor to say I'm okay you're okay we'd really prefer to come to church and the pastor say hey you know if it's okay for you it's okay who am I to say And, And and you know I am no one to say but God has the right to say that's where we always make our mistake. Who are you to judge me? I have no right to judge you. The fact, we'll read in the next few verses says we don't judge each other. God's the judge of one another. So what we, what we always like to do is bring it down to the level of man and say, who are you? And, and the simple fact is we are not each other's judge. God is the judge. His word is the judge and the standard. And so there's not anyone in this room that can throw a rock at anyone else in this room. There's not anyone else in this room that can throw a rock at somebody outside this room. But what we need to understand is something very important here. And so l- let's back up and look at this. Let's, let's begin. With, I'm, so I'm talking about the danger of ingratitude. The danger of ingratitude. How we look at something going on in our life and say, this isn't a big deal. But it's where it leads us to that can become a very big deal. It's when we refuse to understand Satan's strategy. And what I'm doing today is not trying to bring a downer message. I'm trying to expose the strategy of Satan that could lead to great danger in our lives right so let 's look at this for a moment. Verse eighteen: The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. Look at this 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 is so prevalent today; it is such an explanation for what we see happening in every area of society, who men who are doing what suppress the truth. By their wickedness. Here, here what is wickedness? Uh, one translation says unrighteousness, willful disobedience, and rejection of God. That's that's the phrase: willful disobedience and rejection of God. What does it do? Why does that cause men and women when we willfully disobey God? When when we knowingly reject Him in His Word, what 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 happens then? Those people that make those decisions. Begin to do what? They want to suppress truth. When I make a decision, I will not obey you, God. I I willfully go against your word. I willfully go against what I know. I turn my back on that i don 't acknowledge that then what do I have to begin to do? I have to begin to suppress that truth. Why? Because if I acknowledge that it is true and God is who He says he is and his word is what his what it is, then I have to do what I have to acknowledge there is a God, and I have to repent before him. so I would rather suppress truth than acknowledge truth and and this is what happens so so keep watching it verse twenty says th- this is what happens. Uh, Verse 19, so when so since what may be known about God is plain to them. Pastor, what do you mean it's plain to them? Well, let's read. Because God has made it plain to them. How? For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature, watch this, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So men are without excuse. What are we clearly see The Bible says when we look at creation, it is impossible to not acknowledge there is a God. Isn't it interesting the raging battle over the creation of the universe? It it is the foundation. It is the separation of belief and non-belief in God. It is the very thing scripture says. If you will be honest in your heart and look at creation, you have to say only God could have done this. But but the the battle that rages in academia and in every other place is the very thing I said. If I admit God created the universe, then I have to admit there is a God. I have to admit the Bible is true, and I have to admit my life is out of line with that. So because I want to do what I do and do my thing and rebel, what do I do? Then I say God did not create this universe. He there is not a God. It was a big bang. It was this. Can I tell you right now at the the last meeting uh, of the the of the. Uh, Creationists and scientists. I was reading a report just this last year in England at the, the, the largest, most well documented, and respected group of evolutionists. Said this the, the keynote speaker, one of theirs, said, We are going to have to deal with the issue that at classical Darwinism, as has been taught. It's being disproved in too many areas. To remain and to keep our credibility, we're going to have to back up and take another look at some of the things we've always just taken for granted in this theory because it's no longer being scientifically documented. Now, when did you hear that? Did you hear that on CNN? I bet you didn't hear that there. Did you hear that on NBC, CNBC? Bet you didn't hear that there. Probably wasn't even on Fox didn't pull our school books back professors didn't stop but I'm telling you there is a growing unrest among those teaching understanding having believed that which is the majority of the science community scientific community but there are holes and theories there why what's the struggle because the Word of God says God's creation is a clear signal to us there is a God there's a Creator So when we, so what happens? So so when we deny what is clear, verse 21, we come to this. I want you to see, we're without excuse, verse 20 says, and verse 21 says, for although they knew God, here's the issue. Watch this. What was the response? If I refuse to acknowledge what I know, I want you to get that. If I refuse to acknowledge what I really know, for although they knew God, verse 21, they made two decisions. They neither glorified him as God. They've stopped glorifying him as God. They've stopped giving him honor as God. they stopped doing what we just did a moment ago and said, let's just come back around and say, thank you, God. When they saw the obvious hand of God, they didn't say, thank you, God. They, they didn't stop and acknowledge that. Did not glorify God. That phrase is used four times in the Gospels when Jesus did miracles and it said the crowds looked at him uh, and Matthew and Luke and John when they saw the miracles and it said, and they glorified God. In other words, there are going to be moments in your life. There are going to be moments in every person's life when they see the evidence of God that is undeniably him and we either say, wow, thank you God, or willfully choose to deny God did that thing in our life. Said they did not glorify him. They saw his hand. They recognized his existence. They may not have connected all the dots. They may not have understood that Jesus is Lord. That's why we're preaching and sending missionaries. But there was a moment in our life where undeniably they saw, you saw, I saw the hand of God. And they did not glorify him. They refused to. What does it mean to glorify? To say, you did that. They refuse to say, I acknowledge your hand. They refuse to recognize the goodness of God. Anybody with me right now? How many of you realize that it was the grace of God and the goodness of God that revealed himself to you and brought you to a place? For, yeah, yeah. Can I tell you something? I tell people all the time. Somebody says, well, you know, I've gotten this far in life without God. I said, listen, you're not that fast. You're not that smart. You're not that good. You've just been grace is on your life. Mercy has brought you here you understand. That's where we are and there have been moments in everyone's journey Where God intervened and in all honesty you should have said that was God But they refused to do that. It was a choice. It's not that it never happened. You see the difference They refused to acknowledge who did that all right, so so they uh, what happened verse 21 although they knew God knew God see Recognized he existed Had an awareness because of his hand in their life they, they did what? They said I am not going to give you glory And the next thing you notice Nor gave thanks to him I'm not going to thank you Although they knew God I, I, That phrase intrigues me Verse 21 For although they knew God This word to know Means to learn to know To come to know To get a knowledge of To perceive in other words there was a process you know there's a process going on in every life in your life in my life in the life of the people you're praying for where god just keeps revealing himself where god keeps intersecting their life did anybody ever intersect your life for god before you got saved think with think with me for a minute i guarantee you there was somebody in your life before you accepted christ that that god planted there can you think of them was it your mother was it your father was it your grandmother? Was it your grandfather? Was it a coworker? Was it a classmate? Was it something you saw, you heard, you read? What, what am I talking about? You know what happened. Somewhere God intersected your life. And the Bible says although they knew through a process of encounters that there must be a God, they didn't acknowledge Him for what He had done, and they never thanked Him for what He had done. They stopped being thankful they refused to give him his place. And what was the result? Stay with me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you something here. And, and so what happens? Their thinking became futile. Their thinking, interesting word, thinking. This word here is thoughts and imaginations. Would you, would you put up 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 3 through 5? I want you to look at this with me for a moment. All right? For though we live in the world, how many are alive? There are some dead people here today. I'm going to give you one more chance. How many breathing souls in the room today? All right. Are we in heaven? No. We're in this world, okay? So we all know who we are and where we are. For though we live in the world, we don't wage wars as the world. What does that mean? It's a spiritual battle. We understand a higher level. Okay, let's go to the next verse. The weapons we fight with, hallelujah, are not the weapons of the world. So you understand, in the battles of your life, if you just fight with what you have without God, you always lose. But as Christians, if we begin to understand what the real battle is, we have weapons that are not in the world. And look at these weapons. What are they? They have divine power to demolish stronghold. Ready? But let's look at verse 5. We're talking about thinking. We demolish arguments and every pretension that King James says in every high thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So he says, because they didn't glorify God and because they wouldn't thank him for his goodness, their thinking, their imaginations, and their thoughts became futile. You see, that the Bible is very clear about these things. This, 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 this thinking... Here's the, the inflection of this word. It means, it, it was amazing to me, look at this. The thinking of a person deliberating with himself. Someone's thoughts and imaginations are whirling. They're fighting within themselves. Listen, if they're not two sides, there's no fight. If I did not know there was a God, are you with me? If I had not seen His intervention, there's nothing for me to deliberate about in my thinking. If there is no God, I have no fight about God. If I've never seen His hand, I'm not troubled with my thoughts. If there's nothing to compare him then I'm free but we have seen him clearly we have no excuse we know there is a God and so there comes this place when Satan bombards you and you're wrestling with your thoughts and imagination you're deliberating with yourself you're questioning about what is true you're hesitating you're doubting you're disputing you're arguing why because there is a God and there is a devil because there is a truth and there is a lie anybody with me and see when I refuse to bring God into that battle I'm fighting in the dark one of the popular terms for young people today I know you don't think I know anything that's going on outside this room you bet you'd be surprised what I know I have the Holy Spirit in me (laughs) he knows everything let me tell you, here, here's, here's a really popular term today. And it seems so innocuous. The devil always loves his terms. So here's what young people are doing that grew up in church, that know God, that have interacted with him and know he's real, but are being tempted they're in places and they're being tempted and they're walking through their college years and other things. And so here's the word they're using. It's not sinning and giving in. Are you ready? It's exploring. I'm not sinning. I'm exploring. I'm not compromising. I'm exploring. After all, I've got to make decisions for myself. Okay, I understand that. But but you're exploring in the dark. <laughs> See, when you refuse to bring God into your questioning and doubting and reasoning, you're exploring in the dark. It's like a person, you know, you're walking on the ice and you don't know what's under the ice. You're not being smart, you're being duped. <laughs> You're not growing up. You're falling down. I understand you're going to have questions and doubts and and argument of what is truth and what is a lie, but I would have come back to you again. If there was not truth, you wouldn't be struggling with what might be a lie. If there was not a God, you couldn't struggle with what is not God. If He had never done anything for you, you couldn't be choosing to turn your back because if God is God, you have to thank Him or turn your back and say, I don't believe in you. I don't want you. I'm going to do my thing because every time I come back and say thank you God I recognize you God I don't understand the moment and I don't like what I'm facing and doubts are pulling on me but there is a God and I thank you for that I understand the struggle to find faith in God but to try to answer your struggle or explore without a light is foolishness see that's what he says. He, we, we, let's, let's look at it again. What happened because they would I glorify, I give thanks? What happened? Their thinking, their thoughts, this conflict became what? It became, what, what, what was the result of that? Feudal. The word feudal means to make empty. Some people were so open-minded their brain fell out. The word feudal means vain. Foolish, useless, confused. But does it stop? Keep reading. So their thinking became foolish. Look at this. A futile. And their foolish hearts were darkened. These are not people who started out like this. See, do do, do you look at this? Let's look. They're, They're thinking. What's the next word? Look at this. Became. Became, it wasn't like that initially. Became means it was one thing and shifted to another. Became means that I, 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 the word became means that you take one thing and replace it with something else. So their thinking was not where it's headed here. It was exchanged. It became, you take something that was and you put something else in its place. It's a process. Their thinking became what? Futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Foolish means unintelligent, without understanding. I was surprised to see this word. This was a list word when you had master's commission. But in, in, in my uh, concordances, it said unintelligent, without understanding, stupid. That's the, I said, wow, that's tough. Ungodly. Darkened. Foolish hearts became dark, Darken, You turn the light out. You turn the light out. Isn't it interesting that people who claim to have the most insight have turned the lights off? Isn't it incredible that the people who, the next verse says, claim to be wise are living in the dark? Turn the light out. Why can't you see what I see? Because we're all in the dark. That's why we can't see. It became dark see so so let's keep reading although they claimed to be wise they became fools wow it's a tough language and exchanged you ready the glory of the living god for images for idols you know what he said you know what happens when you get to this point You exchanged the glory, the wonder of the God you knew and had intersected and and, and you've chosen because either you're angry or mad or disappointed or hurt and you took him and his recognition and you exchanged it for a man-made idol. In other words, you said, I reject the creator and in his place, I make something that I created. In other words, I become God in my life. I'm God. Why should I be thankful? Because I'm God. Why should I acknowledge you when I did it all? Why should I give you glory when I'm the one who did this? Why should I acknowledge you when I have to admit there's someone that's greater than me? So I'll make me the highest standard. And then verse 24, the words you never want to hear in your life or anyone else's life. And it's said three times. You never want to hear these words from you to God. You never want them spoken over your family you never want them set over a generation or a nation or a person or a home or a church or a culture because verse 24 says finally after this process this is what happened therefore god gave them over god gave them over what what does that mean literally it means to give into the hands of another you rejected and you refused to acknowledge and wouldn't thank him and turned your back and became dark in your thinking and finally God with tears in his eyes said I release you I just I have to let you go I put you in someone else's hands I, I, I can't I can't protect you anymore I can't do what I want to do anymore I can't Bless you anymore. I, I tried. I, I I've sent help. I've put roadblocks in your life. I I've loved you. I've never given up on you. I I I I, I, I sent your mother and your father and I your pastor and the church and your youth pastor and your children's pastor and 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 I and I put social media and I put television and I put radio and I put printed pages and I, I put Bibles and I, I I I did all that I could do. I, I, I and I I just I just had to give you over I hope you come back but I I have to give you over and so it's the place we don't want to go but isn't it interesting if we back our way up through the process it all began when they stopped being thankful to God when they stopped glorifying God and being thankful that's 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 where it began you say so very quickly what does this look like Look at John 12 with me. I want to connect the dots. We, we studied this just a week ago. Turn to John chapter 12. We're going to wrap this up here. John chapter 12. I want you to see this. John the 12th chapter. What, what does this look like, Pastor? What, give me an example. D- does this happen? Could this, could this really happen? What, 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 do, do people move from one place to the other in this? John chapter 12, verse 1. We studied this just a week ago. 6 days before the Passover Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived. Now this is the chapter after Lazarus raised from the dead. And what we're reading about here is in a phenomenal Thanksgiving celebration. It may not have been Thanksgiving Day and I don't think they ate turkey but they were thanking God. Lazarus had been raised from the dead. Another gospel says it was in the home of a man known as Simon the leper. So a man had been healed of leprosy and opened his home. Lazarus had been raised from the dead. Mary and Martha was there. A crowd was there. They said, come on, we need to come back. huh? We need to stop and come back around. We need to stop and say thank you. We need to have a party. We need to just have a celebration. So they had all come together to thank Jesus, all right, uh, Verse 2, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Look, look, there's Lazarus. I said, has God ever intersected your life? (laughs) look, Look, there he is. Everybody in that room, there he is. He was dead four days. There he is. They knew he was God. They were without excuse. Anybody with me? There he is. You say, well, I've never seen somebody raised from the dead. Every person in this room was spiritually dead, going to hell in a mess, bound, hurt, wounded, broken. And and, and look at us today. Don't tell me we've never seen God. You can't live in America and not see the hand of God. You've got to run. You've got to stick your head in the sand. You've got to lie and deny and refuse to glorify and and, and refuse to give thanks. So here is an undeniable, inescapable, inexcusable Excusable picture of the goodness of God. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume that she said, I'm so thankful. What can I do? How can I say it? Let, let Just prompt it. We know by the Holy Spirit because Jesus recognized it. She said, let me lavish my thanksgiving on you. I don't want to just do what I have to do. I want to go beyond what I have to do. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All this going on. But we go to verse 4. But one of his disciples, a disciple, a disciple, one of the 12, sitting in the Thanksgiving celebration without excuse undeniably convinced of who Jesus is and was Judas Iscariot how do you move from a disciple to a betrayer how in the world do you walk with him and then send him to the cross how do you do that one of his disciples Judas Iscariot was later to betray him objected to what thanksgiving objected to lavish praise objected to glorifying God was insulted by the recognition that God deserves to be praised why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor it was worth a year's wages can I tell you something I want to be very careful here let me stay in the spirit of Jesus it's easy to make statements like that because it sounds so sanctimonious and holy but you better know the motivation behind it he didn't care about the poor he didn't say this because mm, there are people people running around this world today they don't care about who got hurt in the cause it was just their opportunity to get some PR okay He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself. Hey, how, how do you become a betrayer? How do you sell Jesus? Because somewhere, this man who saw the dead come alive, who saw 5,000 men in their families fed, who was in the boat when he walked on the water, who saw him calm the sea, He just stopped being thankful. He stopped glorifying God. He began to look at himself and say, I need some money. He doesn't need this money. And then when you stop being thankful, you start being critical. And when you stop being thankful, you start getting darkened. And somehow you can walk in the shadow of Jesus and not know who he is when the blanket of darkness has come over your heart you can be so close to touch him but you become blind and foolish and empty when ingratitude takes hold of your life we might say pastor come on I couldn't do that I would never do that I'm there I wouldn't I wouldn't turn my back on the Lord and, and I understand this is a radical extreme example but it happened and what happens to you and I on lesser degrees we may not do what Judas did but what degree of Judas might be in us if we stop being thankful where we used to have joy in the presence of God, we allowed a disappointment or a delay to begin to grind on the inside of us. And instead of coming and worshiping and thanking God, we're not happy and we're surly and we're, we're, we're indignant and, and, and we come and God is moving all around us and miracles are happening and blessings are coming and falling and God is answering prayer and we can't see it because we stop being thankful and we stop giving God gratitude and God is real and good and present. And what happens if I stop glorifying Him as God? If I, you know, I, I've seen. i remember the church I was in. Only been to one other church before here as a youth pastor. And, and a man came and got saved. He was on the verge of losing his company, and, and he got saved, and God blessed him with the biggest contract he ever got. And, and, and three months later, he walked off from God. You know what happens? He stopped thanking God. He looked in the mirror too long and took credit for what happened. And decided God, who picked him up out of the pit and did what he couldn't do, he, instead of saying, I am what I am by the grace of God, and only God has brought me here, he began to think, saying, You know what? If I got that, I can get the next contract. I don't need to go to church. I don't have to go back to God. Thank you, God. See you later. Like the nine lepers, and what happened to that man? He was darkened and blinded to the very thing that God had done in his life. We might do it with our family. <laughs> you have a little argument with your spouse and had a great marriage in the three months years of good, good marriage is down the tube because your thinking become futile your thoughts have become blinded I, I, I try to be careful the Bible says you're stupid I, 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 I mean the Bible didn't say it but the, the commentary said stupid I didn't say it it's why they say there's no fool like an old fool and so, so what happens Huh? You forget all those years of marriage and faithfulness and kindness and Right in the middle of your thinking futile And, and your mind darkened and, 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 and you're distancing yourself from God God walks somebody in I'm sorry, the devil walks somebody in See, and all of a sudden you can't even see your spouse Because of the counterfeit the devil put in your life Huh, huh? And, 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 and you normally wouldn't even have seen that person. But you let ingratitude permeate your thoughts and your mind. And you're in the dark. And what are you doing? Oh, I'm just exploring. No, you're sinning is what you're doing. Oh, I'm just exploring. No, you're lying. I'm just exploring. No, you're starting to go to hell is what you're starting to do. I'm just exploring. Yeah, you're exploring in the zoo in the lion cage with the light turned off. Just because you can't see the lion before he bites you doesn't mean the lion's not there. Just because one step before you walk off the cliff you're happy doesn't mean you're okay. What well, What happened to me? I stopped being thankful. I stopped being grateful. Nothing looks good to me. Nothing looks right to me. Why? Because I'm darkened. I'm foolish. And it, it, it flipped on me. And, and, and so what happened? Can, can I tell you something? This, maybe this is what we need to do. You're, you're facing, that, that always starts somewhere. I don't like this moment. God, you're not on time. This hurt me. That didn't work. This wasn't in place. And so I stopped being grateful. You, you understand? That's why it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in all things, in all circumstances, give God thanks. When it hurts the most, give God thanks. I don't thank Him for the trouble. I thank Him that He's with me in the trouble. See, I, I have to. I have to readjust my focus. And thanksgiving washes the windshield off. You understand? Thanksgiving gets your eyes back in order. What happens? See, there there's a, there comes a time when I need to quit. Uh, how could I say it? I need to quit talking to God about my problem and I need to start talking to my problem about my God. See, I I have to come to a place where I say I know God's got this and I'm going to declare it and I'm going to say it. Problem, you ought to see my God. Trouble, you ought to know my God. Problem, you ought to read his word. Problem, you ought to see what he's done. Heartache, you ought to find my healer. Let me tell you about my healer. Disappointment. Let me tell you about my joy. Let me tell you about my God. I want you to know there comes a place. So so you say, well, Pastor, I'm on shaky ground. I, I've lost my joy. I've lost my faith. I'm not where I ought to be. Well, look, if we'll reverse the process, we can reverse the result. So instead of being ungrateful and unthankful, start being thankful. Start glorifying God. And you know what happens? The darkness will go away. And the foolishness will go away. And the craziness will go away. And clarity will come back in your life. You and I make a decision about how we live and about what we do. The process in Romans 1 is frightening. It goes so far. Things that are unimaginable. But the solution is to begin to be thankful to God. Whether I feel it or don't feel it whether I see it or don't see it, I begin to recognize God's working in my life. Let's stand together. I want us to pray before we go today. I want our, our, our worship team to come back, please. Come. I want you guys to come join me. God, what do we do? What do I do? I need to begin to be thankful. I, when I start thanking God, the light turns on. See, the darkness has to go away. Things get clear again in my life. Perspective comes back in my life. Ingratitude. Ingratitude is one of the most dangerous principles Satan will ever put in your life. See, we have almost been trained, unfortunately, in the church that every all sin is committed sin, something I did wrong. But sometimes the worst thing we could ever do is that I didn't do what was right. How many heard what I said? We've been trained in the church. A negative Christianity don't do this don't do that don't say that don't go there there are some things we shouldn't say or do there are a lot of things we need to do and I found out in my life if I was busy doing the things I should I don't have much time left over for the things I should not do see see don't leave a void in your life with ingratitude don't leave a void don't walk off from what you know because you want to thank him for who he is.